Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Okay, just just by the show of hands, who feels like this last year, year and a half seems like some kind of an endurance test? Anyone? Like a like a never-ending, just perpetual challenge. Maybe we're waiting for a sense of normal to return. Maybe we're waiting for a sense of stability, travel, vacation, relaxation. (laughs) It's been quite an interesting time, you might say. Well, I think tonight's episode can help us with that. I think... uh, I think there's ways we can enjoy the journey even though we might not know where it's going or when it will, quote, end, unquote, metaphorically. Tonight's topic is the healing power of pleasure. And our guest tonight is Julia Paulette Hollenberry. We're going to We're going to have her on in just a minute. The healing, the healing power of pleasure. You know, when I was talking about the endurance test, the pushing our way through life, so to speak, maybe we don't have to feel as fatigued as we might if we were able to recognize the availability of pleasure in our life. Pleasure, pleasure. (laughs) Pleasure can be a kind of a slippery slope sometimes. And another slippery slope is love. To talk about love flat out. Sometimes it feels like if I talk about love just point blank, unconditionally, people kind of can squirm a little bit. They're not, they're, it's like not, not quite so ready for it. And I think pleasure, if I just say, how's your pleasure index doing? Where do you take that? In the bedroom? On on the uh, court or uh, playing sports, listening to music. We talk about pleasure. Do you have a like a go-to modality with that? And sometimes I think pleasure can be seen as some kind of a, a not so noble. There can be some judgment behind that. What if, (laughs) okay, what if you live in an apartment building with really thin walls and you've lived there for a while and life is good and then new neighbors move in and you haven't met them yet and 
by golly, it sounds like they're going at it. Oh, my God, they're screaming and hollering. They're having the time of their life enjoying some square-on whoopee. Would you feel embarrassed? <laughs> I mean, I mean, unbridled pleasure. Who's entitled to that? Go back and raise your hand. You're entitled to that. Yes, that'd be you. I think we're in for a great show tonight. Actually, this has been recorded because Julia is in Britain, the United Kingdom. And so because of, it's probably the middle of the night there now to give her uh, a chance to be awake and alert for the interview, we recorded this a few days back. Let's jump into it. Again, the topic tonight is the healing power, the healing power of pleasure. Healing power. I like that. The healing power of pleasure. Seven medicines for rediscovering the innate joy of being. This is the title of her latest book. Hidden just below the surface of ordinary, everyday reality lies an abundance of pleasure and delight. By learning to look beyond your daily challenges, that, that's key, to look beyond your daily challenges and ease your stressed mind and body, you can rediscover the magic, mystery, sensuality, and joy that is possible in everyday life. The healing power of pleasure combines scientific fact with ancient spirituality, insight, humor, and poetry. Her book presents an invitation to reconnect with your body, realize the depth and web of relationships in which we live and embrace the pleasure, power, and potency that arise when we look inward as well as confidently relate outward with the world around us. Julia is a body worker, therapist, mystic, healer, and facilitator. For more than 25 years, she has guided countless clients into deep confidence, and self-authority. She is passionate about sharing her lifelong love of the mystery, real sensual relationship, and the life of the body. She lives and works in London, and you can learn more about her at her website, universeofdeliciousness.com. Here's the episode. Enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the show, Julia. Thanks, Les. Hello. Hello. Well, the 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 healing power power of pleasure. Oftentimes, when we think of pleasure, the the power element doesn't come into that. The the healing power of pleasure. Um, can you talk a little bit 
to how you came about that title? <laughs> well, I didn't, actually. Um, the uh, publishers named it. My title for the book was The Universe of Deliciousness, which is what the book's about, right? The invitation into the realm of the universe of deliciousness. And the publishers named it. Um, I actually love the title. I think they have described in super clear language what I meant by the universe of deliciousness, what I mean by the universe of deliciousness, that there is this deliciousness waiting for all of us just below the surface, right here and right now, a realm of subtle, sensual, spiritual, richness so yes it is the power of all the different kinds of pleasure nice i like that well the i think from my experience the whole notion of pleasure can make people feel um kind of uneasy sometimes it's it's um easy to talk about but when we when we let our guard down, so to speak, and we open up a little bit and 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 let the the power of pleasure come into our persona, a lot of times people kind of get anxious about that and they and they want to manage it. And uh, I, I to me, it seems like the gift of pleasure is where it takes you, not where you hold it, so to speak. Nice. How did you come about um, discovering that pleasure had some some hidden elixirs, some hidden potential, some untapped re- resources? I, I was not very happy as a child, but I did love being outside in the garden, surrounded by nature and there I was really in it and it was delicious and I knew there without doubt that there was so much more pleasure possible for everybody than I was experiencing from the people around me in the house where I was living and the school that I went to and that would arrive in their cars you know and um, and and it's always been like that for me that there is this subtle richness right and it seems to me that everybody else or many people are talking up here in a high-pitched um, mental ideas way and it didn't connect with my very sensual experience and I knew my very sensual experience um, was correct and true and at the same time, just like everybody else, I also um, <clears throat> um, have had to step into being worthy of absolutely fully living that. I remember when I was younger being you know, nervous of, of sometimes taking food or nervous and with sharp, quick movements about things. So I think really allowing ourselves to have that fullness. Well, courage and time. Uh, being worthy, being worthy of it. Wow. Um, I think uh, I like how this is going because 
I, from my perspective, there's so many people that's holding that pleasure, holding that um, experience of a, a more joyful life, perhaps, at arm's length. It's like maybe next year, maybe after I get a promotion, maybe after I get married, maybe, I mean, that they put it off. And uh, to, to I, I don't know, let your guard down and, and, and let it immerse in you or you immerse in it can, can be a little sketchy as far as people's ability to trust. Because I think so often uh, they have the tendency of wanting to control their life and know what the outcome will be of all their decisions. And we've talked about the, the healing power of pleasure to let that power into your psyche it seems like you have to let go of the the need to be in control i'm in agreement and i it's like having to drop out of the mental thoughts drop out of the head and into the experience of the body into the sensual experience of the body because we try and control all of us from our minds, from our heads, from our, you know, I know all the answers kind of right. thing. Right, yeah. I know what the map looks like and um, I know what you're going to say next and I've got a strategy and I've got assumptions about how you behave all based on the past. Opening up to mm, pleasurableness, which includes the vulnerability is opening up to the wild. It is opening up to the chaos and the unexpected. It's... Um, a risk, right? You don't really know what you're going to feel, exactly like you just said. You don't know what words are going to come out of your mouth in the next moment, right? You don't know what alchemy you're going to create with the world or the people around you. Um, so there is a humility and there is a vulnerability and there is a letting go. And it can be a choice as well. A choice. In part one of your book, Mess, where we find ourselves, Messy Modern, Modernity, <laughs> Three Levels of Mess, people can feel like their their life is like a house of cards, and if they play with it too much, it might fall apart. I mean, we can drive by people, homeless people, and... and um, and and have some anxiousness that if we don't do it right, we're going to tip our card over. Our house of cards will fall. How do we how do we learn to trust letting go enough and opening up enough to let this this pleasure show up more and more in our everyday experience? I so want to say that I don't have the answer, you know. Like there isn't just a slick answer to that. Um, life is bigger than all of us. So I guess it's trusting in that bigness that we are held and loved and uh, we're within something. It's not just us as separate, isolated individuals. It's not just down to our little minds. Trusting that there is a really deep intelligence to the body, to my body, to your body, that includes the tree and the fence and the cat and the bricks and the garden, right? Um, that there is 
something bigger than us at play. <clears throat> yeah, and there's there is a trust in our in our innate something, in our innate soul, in our innate intelligence. I mean that I don't have the end of the sentence here either. Right? I don't know what you've just asked me that's, that's made me halt. But it's, you know, that, that there is something else. And, and we all do trust it. We all do know that it's there, even if we forget from time to time. Even, you know, or maybe we don't. Maybe we're afraid there's abyss around us. Um, why do we breathe? I mean... You know, who knows what's, what breath is going to come next. Um, I guess there is a deep, deep fundamental trust in, in life, whether we're aware of it or not. So I guess maybe the answer is becoming more aware of that, that it exists within us and around us. Right. I think perhaps, so what if, what if my life is incongruent? What if I'm so out of harmony with myself? What if what my mental constructs have, have become are a slow motion train wreck, but I don't know it. In my mind, I'm in control. Maybe what is needed is for the flipping cart to fall over and a reset to happen. I mean, I, the, you said I don't have the slick answer. Sometimes maybe messy is what fixes us to 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 let ourselves unravel. I think life is always trying to point us in the right direction. And most of us get recurring symptoms, whether it's a shoulder pain or a headache or, <clears throat> you know, a place in the carpet that we haven't fixed that we repeatedly fall over. I remember when someone I, I know had three car accidents and it was clear, you know, three car accidents in, in, in reasonably close su uh, succession. And it was clear that something needed to change. They needed to make a fundamental change. So I think that um, life mm, is always trying to communicate with us. And from our small perspectives, it often looks to us like mess. Right? It isn't going the way that I want it to go to. It isn't happening the way that I want it to happen. And yet this, this flow of life, this ebb and flow happens, the arc of it, we cannot ever see. I remember being in, you know, depths of despair about things. Really, it was, it was tough. And yet I changed something. I did something. I pulled something out of the hat. And with so much ease, beauty and harmony and the next good pieces arrived. And when we're in the mess, I don't think that we can uh, necessarily recognize it for what it is. We, we don't know what's just around the corner. <laughs> you know? We can't see its place in our whole life unfolding you know, we, when we're so narrowed into the immediate moment. So yes, mess is often, um, can be, if we heed it and listen to it and sense it and respond appropriately, it can be a step on the path to pleasure. Path Let's, to pleasure. I like that. 
Well, we're going to get to that, but I, I want to touch a little bit on the elephant in the room, and that is the innate. Now, I don't know about uh, the United Kingdom, but innate's not a common word here in the United States in social dialogue. Let's put some context to that word before we start talking about it. How would you describe the innate? As in the innate joy of being. I think we are, um, we arrive here full with so many gifts and capabilities. Our soul has its own qualities and they are natural to us. And we all know that from looking at our children or from remembering ourselves as children that we have always been who we knew that we were right and those qualities and capabilities are unique to each of us and there are some innate natural qualities and capabilities that we share as humans that we share as as living beings on this planet so um, it's not just what we learn, it's what we come in with. And it's what we can choose to switch on and develop, if you like. Develop an experience with it, develop uh, perhaps a trust of it. I know for myself, over the plenty of decades of my life, that uh, there was part... <laughs> There's part of me that knew when things were going to happen before they happened. Right. Like, like this innate intelligence in me that transcended what I could see, that transcended um, what I thought. And I, I took the time, I took several years to develop a trust of that. And it has served me really well because I would I'd come into a situation where I didn't know what the outcome was, and I'd ask one word, just one word, uh, one one question: Am I safe? And if I got a yes, I let go of let the cards fall, let it go, you know. And and that uh, that helped me let my guard down. And I think as we we bump into the joy of being, the innate joy of being, there's a, there's an unknowingness to I think joy because if if I haven't experienced joy in in volume up to this moment of my life, and then I open up to this innate joy within me, joy has a way of expanding. Joy has a way of enriching. Joy has a way of changing the tangent, so to speak. Um, if you were to look at your life before you um, wholeheartedly perhaps engage the innate joy of your being, and then you look at your life now, how would you be different? How has that change 
touched you? What What's different about your life now? I really love the examples you gave. Am I safe? Um, yeah, I think I didn't... Um, I trusted and I didn't dare to trust. Um, I used to ask the question a lot, you know, am I making it up? I always had this, this big sense inside of me and I would always be asking, am I making this up because it wasn't yet tangible or made manifest? I doubted an awful lot and I would edit myself an awful lot and check and recheck and hesitate and um, and I mean I still do that to some extent but fundamentally I know that there is this bigger force flowing through and you talked about gnosis about knowing and I've had lots of experience of that I have always called it knowing without knowing <clears throat> and I absolutely trust it and you can't at least in my experience you can't invite it but um, when it arrives it is certain and clear um, so I knew when I was a little girl that I would one day write a book I've known that I would meet a beloved I've known when objects have been about to fall on my head from above when I couldn't possibly see um, and many other examples dreams that came true so I think and also sometimes synchronicities I think that those things are saying to us that we are on track saying to us that we're on track and sometimes I used to get loads of those synchronicities I remember um, around a, a big number birthday when I, I, I wasn't feeling so joyful that I was such a big number. And there were these amazing synchronicities of bumping into people, things that were impossible, really, both in the morning and during the day and coming home. And I remember it so much so as being like life going, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. You can trust. And... Um, <clears throat> So, I, yeah, I often think that those um, synchronicities are not so much the content, but they are those hints that are saying, yes, you're on the right track, you're on the right track, you're on the right track. Yeah, I used to be very, very different. The um, delight was there, but so much held inside. Um, And the breath that comes in this moment reminds me. So um, there is probably much more exhalation and expansion and outward expression for sure. Whereas before there was a lot more um, muscular tension. My body was um, nervous and thinner. My movements were sharper and more agitated. I am amazingly grateful to be able to be living this and this good fortune. Amazingly grateful. I think it can kind of dumbstruck the ego in the sense that when, when you let go of the reins and you throw them down on the galloping horses and 
you pull out the six shooters and start shooting into the air and it's kind of like a jumping on the bed happy sort of thing when when you let the when you let your guard down we're, I, I, I like the idea of the ego taking a step back and it's like stepping away from the helm, stepping away from the control center and, and letting what may be reveal itself. The, the ego really likes to know the outcome of our choices before we make the choice. And it can feel like, uh, what the hell is I let go of this? It's going to all fall apart. For me, the years ago, the, the impulse of writing a book came into my psyche and my ego pushed it to the ground and started bitch slapping it. And it's like, no, 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 it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm not a writer. And now I've written six, seven books. And when I sit down to write, uh, I feel joy. It's like, ooh, a blank page. Ooh, <laughs> what's coming? Ooh, ooh. Right? I and go ahead. I used to describe it as getting into my spaceship to write, right? I was just like, ooh, it's just me and this. You know, I wonder what's going to come out today. You know, it was lovely. To, to, um, I, I guess I just want to talk to that part. Had I not, had I not allowed, had I not stepped back and allowed that impulse to manifest, that impulse to really move in and occupy some of my persona. I wouldn't be who I am today. And and now when a new impulse comes, I I respect it the moment it arrives. My ego doesn't have to smack it around because it's intimidated by the unknowingness of it. So when we talk about, in part two, called magic the the beauty that is possible i had no idea what my life could be until i got out of my own way how does uh how does beauty as it relates to what's possible how do, how how do we get in our own way that that it takes such an effort to to create the space for that to show up in ourselves? I because as we've talked about, it's inside of us. Here it is. Here it is. The innate, but to make space for that to bring it out, so we could see the beauty of what is possible for our our lives, our personas. I remember my daughter said to me once you know, that the adults just don't see anything. They just don't notice, you know. And I remember as a child having that same feeling that the adults just couldn't see what was in front of them. Couldn't they see? Couldn't they see? I think 
it's rare that many of us are, my sentence is not coming out in any sensible shape here, <laughs> I wonder what's going to come next. I, I, I think that few of us are given the space to be, are given the uh, reflections to be. I mean, it, it, it's obvious we all contort ourselves to please others, to survive. That is what gets in our way, that mechanism in order to please others and survive. And, well, um, you know, the song, um, um, Leonard Cohen, you know, uh, Le you know I'm losing all my words here, <laughs> totally losing all my words here. Good morning, you know, about break something and let the light come in, you know, right. like when you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, I've moved through many breakdowns in my life, right? It isn't just fluffy, right? It ain't fluffy. The personal work ain't just fluffy. It's like you've got to bother. You've got to try. You've got to do your best. You rise. You fall. You get lost. You know, you find people who see you, who say a sentence. I was lucky enough to find people who saw me, who said a sentence that I treasured for a decade, you know, and all those things step by step help us to become who we know that we really are. And we are lucky enough to be. And the little cat is making a noise. Is we're lucky enough to be um, allowing ourselves to melt in us, you know, so that it can happen. And it is a process of melting. The pleasure that we're talking about is that subtle melting. There was a moment ago in our conversation when I could see there was a response in your body, and I could feel the energetic response in mine. And now the cat is joining in, and life is dynamic and it's just here waiting for us when we're not busy trying to do the right thing and I'm sitting here thinking gosh I hope I'm saying the right thing <laughs> we is riffing here this morning that's right uh, no survivors um <laughs> Um, yeah, there is tremendous magic possible, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of single sentences, one of my favorite quotes is, my age is none of my business. And it, and it really kind of uh, lets me have that child persona in any decade of my life. Um, we're going to get around to that to the pleasure thing, but I want to touch just a little bit more about um, when we when we decide that rediscovering the innate joy of our being is an action item, is something that we intend to bring about. Now, when we're in a family dynamic or a personal relationship dynamic, and we start to let our proverbial hair down. We start to wear the tie-dyes, metaphorically. We start to, to let go of the structure 
because so often we measure we measure um, things by how they make us feel, and so a lot of times we get stuck in a rut because we constantly choose something that's familiar, both individually and as a family dynamic or as a couple. And when one side of that equation starts to melt, starts to unravel, so to speak, the certainty of the, of the rut, the certainty of the repetitive pattern of choice, when we allow that new dynamic, we melt, we allow joy to show us new possibilities in the moment, that can kind of... Um, shift the relationship around a little bit. And if we're not totally certain, it can elicit a sense of um, unknowingness. I mean, is this going to, is this going to have impact? Like, like if, if you're a mother in a family and, and the, the metric is if we all look prim and proper, then society will find favor for us. And then you start letting your hair down, and one morning there's a streak of purple in it, and 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 you start to let that joyful expression ingress into your persona. Others might not always see that as a good choice. How do we how do we, how do we anchor in our knowingness if we don't know? I guess we have to trust our feeling that is deeper than trusting the familiar, the unconscious familiar that you mentioned before. It's, it is tricky. I, I, I remember, you know, decades previously on the spiritual path and learning these wonderful spiritual teachings and loving this new way of being as part of the community I was in. And then I'd go back to my family and I couldn't, I couldn't, they were speaking a different language. And it was very uh, strange because they were such different contexts and both of value, right? But how to make the meeting point, how to make neither one wrong, how to honor both. And um, I have to say that it, um, at least for me, is something that has taken time to be able to hold my own and be myself um, amongst family. I think that... um, there's those lovely quotes about, you know, if you're enlightened, go home for Christmas, spend Christmas with, you know, you think you're enlightened, <laughs> you know, go home and, and be with your family. And there's the reality. Ha, ha, ha. Right. Um, and I was thinking about all the chaos that happens within um, intimate relationships. You were also talking there about the falling into the familiar unconscious, the uh, familial ancestral whatever you want to call them, but the uh, patterns of feeling bad, right? Or the pattern of of something happening yet again. And it's not just a linear choice, the way out of it. But your question was, how can we stay with what feels good to us and honor that and not, um, in a sense, betray ourselves? Because there is a game 
entrusting the meltingness, the joy, the pleasure, the increasing sense of this is who I really am and, and, and how to stay with that without making the others wrong. And, and again, you know, there's also phases on the journey and I, I, I've, you know, remember again in time past falling back where you use all this pseudo therapeutic language, you're projecting, you know, and all this yeah. kind of nonsense, right? Like it, it just isn't necessarily um, pretty is what I want to say. It isn't neat, the personal journey. It just isn't. And there is delight and deliciousness and joy found. And there's the rise and the fall and the, the finding of the treasure, the gathering of the energy, the finding of oneself, the finding of one's seat, you know, like being anchored here. You were talking about trusting, you know, trusting you had your uh, sentence that you asked and you knew that was your way, finding one's way and trusting that this is me in my flow and this is of value and of worth and I'm doing taking the right steps forward. Very nice. Very nice. Well when the <laughs> Where next? I wonder. <laughs> I don't mind stirring things up. Um the uh, when when the when people are drowning in the mundane, when people are disconnected from their joy, when people are on autopilot, when people are um, depleted of anything that brings them pleasure, I think one of the boldest things we can do is to break from the tribe, break from the narrative, the dysfunctional narrative, to be the one that risks, to be the one that steps into the the shadow, the unknown. And when we model what joy, innate joy looks like on our persona, they can recognize how how they're not complete in in potential. Everything's a choice. Everything's um, it. It's not that <clears throat> that they're uh, they're wrong for wanting that that sense of security, wanting that sense of um, predictable life path. But when we break away and we choose to let that dynamic move in and then a big ass smile shows up on our face and damn it we can't wipe it off it just keeps coming back we're literally giving them a really good gift that they may or may not take that's not our call but not only i mean it's a whole other conversation about our worthiness, our deservingness of having that pleasure, having that joy. It some of the, sometimes the most loving thing we can do is break out of the pack, and and show up in a more authentic way. Even if we're the first one of the gene pool to do that, within our own family or or our lineage. How how has uh, how has it gone for you? Did you did you have uh, points of friction as you 
um, opened up to a more joyful expression of yourself? I'm just slightly wary of doing the us and them in the conversation. Okay. Um, um, but, but people will experience that. For and, sure. And, and just but, to talk about it, put some, some context to it. But, but do as you choose. I'm not, I don't want to ever, ever put words in your mouth. No, I'm just slightly wary of doing us and them because they can be sometimes a slight you know, we set off on our spiritual path and we think that we're better than those who are not doing their spiritual work in that form. And my sense is actually that uh, everyone has a different path. And for some of us, um, it, is, it looks like retreats and workshops and sessions and sure. therapy. And for other people, it's going for a bike ride in the woods or yeah. a run on the beach or... Um, I think there's a million different ways and people have their own ways of working through their stuff and of finding and of finding um, their joy and sometimes it's language in the end that can get in the way because us spiritual folk you know we have a, a certain <laughs> language and a certain ritual and a certain, certain way so I'm just wary of doing us and them that um, if anyone's listening would you know I, 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 I uh, we're all doing the best that we can right in this life thing sure. right and um, very often, very often, uh, we are the only one in our family doing the personal work. That is often the case, but not always. Um, my mum uh, certainly did her work uh, before me. Um, and that doesn't mean that we didn't have great uh, difficulty um, at times and also tremendous love while we both struggled to find the way to meet with our different languages and our different experiences and our and our different ways and i have um experienced um my way not being honored um You know, the, the, the conventional way is the only way, the normal way. We are right is very often, um, and I think that's what your question, of course, is pointing to, you know, that people are, uh, we're the conventional way, and, and you hippies, and you weirdos, and you, um, you know, self-indulgent uh, <laughs> people, you know. It, 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 and that's painful when one is struggling for one's sole survival, and when one is the only one and you don't yet know how to language it how to boundary it how to be it how not to be it right um well i didn't mean it so much for, as a point of judgment but more of sharing our own experience of our own journey because people um uh, um for for many people they they're the one in the family that wakes up whatever and there's no right or wrong to anything. We we have fierce free will. There's no, how can we, I mean, for us to come out of our own quagmire, we couldn't make that journey unless we had the quagmire. Right. And so the quagmire in and of itself, there's no, there's no right or wrong to it. it it's the, perhaps the challenge, perhaps the opportunity for growth, perhaps. But what my point was, how many people are going through this process and they can't share how it feels to them? And so when we talk about our experience of it, that was the point of my question, 
is sin. Sometimes it's sometimes it just you're just out of step with everybody around you, and and that's okay. And and usually there is one friend or one therapist who can accompany you, one teacher, somebody, so one's not totally alone in being out of step with the family or community. That helps. The norm, which is actually Abby norm. Yeah. <laughs> no. The all right, all right, fair enough. I think it's time to um We've talked about pleasure. Let's bring that into the to the realm of the conversation. Um, let, let's put some context to it because pleasure can mean so many things. When you talk about the healing power of pleasure, how would you describe this pleasure? We have been talking about it that exquisite delicious meltingness into the unknowingness of being where you are trusting where i am and you are are trusting that what is unfolding is just right and is fascinating and is delightful and is delicious and is surprising and is soft and is kind and is respectful and it it comes almost like a reward. We were just talking about the difficulty sometimes or often of the personal journey of breaking free from living the ways of the family or tribe. And this kind of pleasure is the reward very often for doing one's own work. And that's, I think, what also you meant is then other people can see you living that freedom and uh, and delight, even if it doesn't come with any label, right? It doesn't right. come with any announcement. And also it's often mm, not recognized by people on the outside. It's like a returning again and again and again to authenticity, not to I in an assertive way, but I as in a recognition kind of way, as in a trusting kind of way. And it's delightful, right? Like it's exciting and it's really <laughs> fun. And it's like, gosh, if only everybody realized that it was waiting just here for them. Wouldn't it be great if everybody could just riff, you know, and we could all just play in this. Like, don't you realize it's not just green and red and brown and and orange. It's like all the colors in the rainbow and all the shades of light and everything is possible. And there's more than 360 degrees. And it's that kind of absolute exquisite playfulness i would say you could call it creativity right in a way you could say it's how god shows up right god coming through you and god coming through me and it's the alchemy of the pleasurableness of the moment whether it's my hand resting on the wood surface of the desk right now or you know looking out the window at the way the light is or 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 our conversation or anything else right it's the pleasurableness is the is the beingness. And that's the point. It's not hard work. It's not, I mean, it is hard work, but it's not hard work. It's not workshops. It's play shots. It's, it's, come on, folks. This life thing is, <laughs> is big and rich and delicious and to be enjoyed. 
<laughs> There's so many um, opportunities in our day that um, can go unnoticed, but if we're in in the present moment without agenda or motivation, that openness, and and we we traverse through um, our lives. There's um, I loved what you just shared because you lit up you. Um, your energy ramped up and a big smile on your face and the passion of which you talked about it. That's there in every single day of our life. And and I think that's what your book is getting at, um, is to open up to that. It's not... It's not something you fabricate like like you're building a house, but it's it's more of an emptiness, an openness, where we don't bring the momentum of the past. We show up with like virgin eyes. We show up with a virgin perspective to let it show us what it is instead of us um, having an expectation and perhaps being disappointed. I mean, life is hard, right? Hard stuff happens. And having to put food on the table and to get the jobs done and to please the boss and the colleagues or the teachers or whatever, like life is hard. There's a lot that we need to get done. And it's so easy to forget ourselves. And we matter, all of us matter and it's not about being selfish you know I'm more important than you or there's no fight in it it's just remembering ourselves again and again and again during the day amidst the chaos amidst the pressure amidst the deadline and the conflicts and the washing up and the, the toilets that need cleaning you know amidst all of the grit and difficulty it's just remembering to notice that we are here. We're here right now. And there's always pleasure in the body if we can sense our body without the stories of whatever it is, you know, frustration or resentment or, you know, blame or expectation. If we can... Yeah, and so that's what the seven medicines are really, is a map of a way to find the way out of thinking that the ordinary everyday is all that there is and remembering that there is more and that more resides right here in me and in you. It resides right here within our bodies. It resides right here in the air and, as I said, you know, the objects and the animals and the plants and the other people. It's, um, and we need to bring ourselves to it. And we forget and then we come back and we get lost and then we come back and, you know, we get found and that's the fun of journey it's not really about arising anywhere because even when we find this delicious pleasurable meltingness 
this playfulness. It's here and we get to enjoy it for this moment, but it will be gone in the next. Then we'll be grumpy and tired and hungry or whatever. And then we'll find it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, um, I'm no spractologist, but if I'm going to compete in the Olympics, I have to... <laughs> Hold on here. There's a point somewhere. I can see where you're going. I'm enjoying. Um, in in order to even show up, I have to go through this process. I have to prepare myself. I have to quantify, qualify myself. Um, so much of the journey of a Olympian athlete, we never see because it's the years and years before, but my sense is the healing power of pleasure doesn't have any requirements. We talked about authenticity. And the beauty of authenticity is no two are the same. And what I'm getting at here is you don't have to go through a, a big process and then arrive some distant place down the timeline, you can start to experience the innate joy, the healing power of pleasure in the first day of the journey, in the first day of, of the process. Uh, I, I think your book is a, a wonderful anchor of intention that if you, the listener, are saying, you know what, I like, I like the feeling, I like the dynamic, I like the um, excitedness I feel in my persona as I listen to us two, I want to create that space in myself, I can have an experience of that today. I don't have to go through the whole process of preparing it can be every step of the journey, so to speak, right. you think? I remember when I set out and I could see in others that they had this relaxed, lovely quality, and I wanted some of that for myself, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, 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 the... Um, personal journey is often so serious we take ourselves so seriously all of us with our woundings and our you know and our our and our and our ideas and the pleasurableness is kind of small and immediate and can be found at any time and um it can be in a foot it can be in the back of the neck can be in the pelvis sitting on the chair it can be in a breath or a wink or a smile it can be in you know arranging the cushions just so so they look and there's that little moment very private little moment of pleasurableness and it's yours it's totally yours and we can't exhaust that no matter how much we spend it, it always yearns for another opportunity to express itself. So the more we show up for it, the more it shows up for us. 
and that allows it to ramp up once we create the space for it in our persona. I think life wants to have fun. I mean, <laughs> come on, right? Life itself wants to have fun. Look at all the variety in creation and the funny shaped creatures and come on let's look at the hilarity of making love right let's you know like life itself wants us to enjoy all these small silly but not inconsequential moments it wants to have fun where I might shake my chest or you might shake your bum or I might wave my hand in the air or you know sometimes there's the simple pleasure of throwing a ball back and forth between two people right and that can be immensely pleasurable if you're really present to it in the moment. The other day I was brushing my teeth, brushing my teeth, and it was such a pleasure. I was like, wow, how come I've never noticed this before, right? I think that life wants us to have fun. I don't think life wants to take ourselves. don't think life wants whatever the sentence is supposed to be, right? It, we, you know, we don't need to take ourselves so seriously. Whatever the deadline is, Whatever the problem is, it probably really isn't that serious. You know, we just construct, oh my gosh, I'm leaning back in my chair. I'm going to put my feet up. You know, we make all this stuff seem so serious and urgent and it isn't really. Yeah, we've got to do what needs to be done. But the real perspective, we could call this, you know, perspective being the right perspective and um, getting the balance of pleasure and pain just right. You know, it's, it's never going to be without pain or discomfort, but, you know, the joy and delight and the... It's worth it. <laughs> and, and it's not superficial. It is... Um, it has a life of its own. And after our conversation finishes, you know, there will be something left in each of us. Um, then perhaps in those who, who've joined listening also from the exchange, right? We've had fun playing. We turned up fully in the engagement of the play. And I think that's what life wants from us. And it can be also the full engagement of doing the accounting or writing the book or fixing the pipes at the back of the washing machine that need to be fixed. You know, it doesn't matter what the thing is. It's something to do with the full engagement and turning up and noticing, you know, the lines or the pores or the colors or the texture of someone else's face, right? Or the absolute deliciousness of the meal that we're eating or a million other examples that are possible, you know, the detail of the lined paper, um, Life is, re and we live in a very sensual world, in very sensitive bodies. I really think that we're here to play kindly, respectfully. Without end. Then, without end, absolutely, and for the benefit of all. You know, may this delight rip and roll and expand through all of us so that there's an ever bigger field of play and expansion and delight and joy. And the more lit up I am, the more I will go from here and say hi to my neighbors and hi to the person in the shop and that will put a smile on their face, you, you know, and we'll spread a wave of joy. And that would be amazing. And everyone benefits, everything benefits.
<laughs> Very nice. <laughs> well, Julia, I think you've written such a... Um, very powerful book. And the reason I say it's very powerful is because we are powerful. The human persona is this vast, vast, expansive desire to express. And as we get out of our own way, we create the um, the potential of fulfillment of that that innate joy, that innate pleasure within us. Time can go by pretty fast. Um, can you share with our audience how to get your book, any modalities you offer? Do you work with people online, in person? Let us know all about you and how to get in contact with your resources. Thank you. The book is called The Healing Power of Pleasure, and it is available everywhere the books are sold. There's a paperback, an audio book, a Kindle, and an e-book. My website is called theuniverseofdeliciousness.com and I work with people individually and in groups and, and I'm on social media and um, I would really love to hear from people and I, I, I love to share this message from my heart. I hope you enjoy the book, and I, I would love to work with you as I have benefited from those who've worked with me. Well, very nice. Do you have any closing comments for our audience? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say the great American expression, isn't it? You know, have a nice day, but really have a great day. Have a fantastic day. You know, enjoy all of it, whatever is in your day. Ah, it's really touching. Suddenly I have a sense of peopleness. And um, yeah, I wish you a gorgeous, delicious, delightful, pleasurable, grounded, calm, kind, loving full of love, full of life and aliveness day, week, month, year, life, you know. Nice. Well, I want to thank you for being on our show. This has been such a pleasure. <laughs> We've had fun. We've been talking with Julia Paulette Hollenberry, and the topic tonight has been the healing power of pleasure, seven medicines for rediscovering the innate joy of being. How oh, nice. Could you hear the joy in, in her voice, in her message? It's quite evident that... Um, it came from a place of passion to write that book and perhaps some compassion for humanity to write a book about the healing power, the healing power of pleasure. Such a fun episode. That was 
What a delightful uh, conversation. It was such a pleasure having Julia on the show. I want to thank you, the listener. You showed up for yourself. Here you are at the end of the episode. You showed up for yourself, and I applaud you for that. When we take the time to grow who we are, it ripples through the rest of our lives. How nice is that? It's my pleasure. We've we've rounded 12 years of this show, and I want to thank Susan, who manages all the scheduling and all the details of making hundreds of shows come off with pretty much without a hitch. And uh, I want to thank you, the listeners, that that make it all possible, and really the reason why we do all this. Thanks again. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.